You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. Once again, we're grateful you're all here worshiping with us this afternoon. We're going to continue now with our service. My name is Eric Bonkowski, and I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. And although it may be hard for you to imagine this based on present appearances, When I was in high school, I wasn't much of a fashion maven. I was much more of a sweatpants kind of kid. And not like the cool sweatpants that some of you wear nowadays, more like the Hanes kind of sweatpants. You know, matching, blue up top and blue on the bottom sweatpants. Fortunately, at the beginning of my ninth grade year, I had a friend who sort of took me under his wing and he became my, uh, my tutor in the world of fashion and helped me um, kind of uh, slide my way into that early 1990s preppy style. Um, but there was only one problem with that is I, I bought a few outfits, some, some different types of clothing, but I didn't have any jeans. But I did have an older sister And she said, well, you can wear my jeans. And she assured me, I remember this clear as day, she said, don't worry, they're unisex jeans. That's that's the assumption I was operating under until I got to school that fateful day. And I learned that they weren't unisex jeans. And apparently, what gave it away was the heart-shaped stitching on the back pocket and the zippers down on the ankles. And that was the day that I learned a hard lesson about life under the laws of fashion. And many of you have learned these laws through the years as well. And it wasn't just high school. It's it's kind of, these these are eternal laws, I think. I remember... um, Probably 15 years ago, I was meeting a friend up at a coffee shop near Georgetown University, and every person who walked into the coffee shop had the exact same outfit on. It was black leggings and hunter boots. I was like, they are abiding by the laws of fashion. But it continues today, doesn't it? Right? You're all thinking to yourself as you look down at your Boston clogs or your blunt stones, right? There are these laws of fashion that uh, we, we live under. But, of course, it's not just fashion. Fashion is just one example that I have a funny story about. But there are all sorts of areas of our lives where there are these laws, often unspoken, but sometimes made explicit, that we feel like we have to measure up to. We have to dress right, we have to act right, we have to look right in order to be accepted. And what happens as we live enough life under these various laws is that we become exhausted, don't we? We become exhausted, we become anxious, 
And often we become ashamed if we fail to live up to those various laws. And I share all of that today because the story of Christmas is a story that gives us an answer and gives us hope for the life that we live underneath the weight of all these different laws. And that's what we're going to talk about this afternoon. This uh, Advent here at City Church, we've been focusing on just two verses in the Bible from Galatians chapter 4. And I'm going to read those verses again this afternoon, and then we're going to talk about what life under the law looks like and how Christ has redeemed us from that life under the law. So if you have a Bible with you, please open up to Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. These verses are also printed in the worship guide, and you can follow along there as I read them for us. Let's give this our attention because this is God's word, God's truth for us. Here's what it says. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Gracious Father, we know that you are here with us and we ask that your spirit now would guide us into our reading and understanding of your word. We trust that this is truth even in the midst of all the different voices we hear throughout the week. Some that are false, some that are meant to deceive, but this voice is different. This is your voice, your true voice that helps us live as we're meant to. Be gracious to us through your word, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to focus on the third clause in these two verses. As it's talking about Jesus, as it's talking about the fullness of time, when the time was just right, God sent forth his son. And last week, Harrison explained what it meant that uh, Jesus was sent born of woman. And today we're going to talk about what it means that he was born under the law. And, and, and there's something shocking about these two verses. Paul is giving a summary of the Christian message. And he says, when the time was just right, God decided to send his son. And we're sort of poised, we're waiting on tiptoe for the son to come as a king, as this great warrior, as the great deliverer, God himself appearing. And then the verses take a shocking turn and it says, born of woman, born under the law. How could it be that the ruler of all, God himself, is ruled by the law? Born in human form, born of a woman whose name nobody knew, this young woman named Mary. A woman and a Jewish woman at that. Well, God knew what he was doing in this shock of the incarnation, in this mystery of God's condescension, his coming down to be with us, that God was born both of a woman and of a Jewish woman. The point of all this, and and the Gospels make this point as well, is that Jesus was faithful to every aspect of the Jewish law. Because the promise of God from all time had come through the Jewish people. And now as God is fulfilling this promise, he makes it so that his son, Jesus, fulfills every aspect 
of the Jewish law. If you read the story of Christmas from the Gospel of Luke, it's, um, it's made clear in a number of places. It's talking about Jesus in the, the days and in, in months after his birth. It says this in Luke 2, 21. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. Christ was circumcised. Why? So that he would fulfill the Jewish law. It goes on. It says, and when the time came for purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Every step of Jesus' life was lived under the law, fulfilling all of the rules and customs that had been given to the Jewish people. Time and time again, that's underlined. Why? Well, what God understood and made clear through the life and death of Jesus is that in order to save us humans, God had to become like us humans. To save us, he must be born under the law. And and what I want to do now is explain what that phrase means, born under the law, what it meant for Jewish people, what it meant for Jesus, what it means for us. And, and to understand this, you need to appreciate some of the context of the book of Galatians, right? We've been focused on these two isolated verses from chapter 4, but throughout the book of Galatians, Paul, the author, is obsessed with the law, the Jewish law. Time and time again, this phrase appears, works of the law. Why is that? Well, Paul's main concern through the book of Galatians is that there were Christians who believed in Jesus Christ, but they also believed that in order to be a Christian, you had to follow the Jewish law. They accepted the work of Christ, but they added to that, and they said, in order to to follow God, to please God, you have to do all of the works of the law. And so... As he's recounting the gospel, as he's explaining what the gospel means, he's saying that Jesus plays by the rules. He is essentially saying what Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, verse 17. I have come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Jesus has done the work. And because Jesus was born under the law, the relationship to the Mosaic law, the Jewish law, has changed. All of these uh, early Christians carrying around the weight of having to keep the Mosaic law. Paul is saying, well, Jesus was born under that law and he's changed our relationship to it. Now you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, that's all well and good. Thanks for the Bible lesson, Eric. But I don't live under the Mosaic law. I don't even know what the Mosaic law is, most of it. Here's the point. I think it's essential for understanding these verses. You too are born under the law. And you too, and I too, live most of my life under the law. As humans, we are all under a law. It it stems from our descent from Adam and Eve in the garden. Because even there, God put forth a law. You shall not eat from this tree. And Adam and Eve ate from that tree. They broke that law. And that inherited corruption comes to all of us. 
we all now live under the law. It's the law of conscience. It's the law of the Ten Commandments that's hardwired into our existence as humans. We may not know chapter and verse of all these different laws, but we live underneath the law of God. And it's not just God's law that we live underneath, is it? Go back to where I started with the story about genes. There are laws of fashion. There are laws of behavior. There are laws of these human righteousnesses that we create, that we all live underneath. I want to help you understand how the law operates on a functional level in most of our lives. And I actually think that there's, there's a better way to identify where the law shows up than looking for the rules that you follow in your life. I don't want you to spot it by thinking through the laws or the rules that go through your head. I want you to think about it in terms of the outcome, what those rules or laws would do for you. For the Jews, the Mosaic law is what gave them their identity and their security. It, told, it, it answered the question, who am I and, and how am I safe? And I think when we, we begin to think about that and apply that to our lives, that becomes a pointer to the laws that are operative for us. Identity and security. Who am I and how am I safe? If you begin to answer those questions in your own life, you'll begin to identify where the law is showing up. Fleming Rutledge is a, a preacher and an author, and she puts it this way. She says, what do you rely on in order to prove to yourself and others that you're a worthy human being? What do you rely on to demonstrate your worth? Here's another way to get at that. What do you rely on to know that you are enough? In a relationship, at your workplace, in your families, or when you walk into a room? That is the law that you're living underneath. The law is whatever you turn to, to know that you're worthy, to know that you're okay, to know that you're enough. And furthermore, to help diagnose, to identify where the law is operative in your lives, I think it can be helpful for us to talk about what life under the law feels like. I've already, I've already teed this up a little bit, right? I, I mentioned earlier that it's those places where we feel exhausted. It's those places where we feel anxious, on edge, stressed out. It's those places where we feel ashamed, like a ninth grader rolling into school in his sister's jeans, right? Paul uses this very type of language earlier in Galatians. His argument, we read Galatians 4, 4 through 5, but the argument really starts in chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple of verses from chapter 3. This is chapter 3, verse 23, where he says this, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Paul uses language like, held captive, imprisoned. That is what it feels like to be under the law. It's to be enslaved. It's to have to act a certain way, to have to meet a certain standard that we never can fully meet, whether it's the Mosaic law or the contemporary laws that govern our society. 
life under the law, friends, what does it feel like? It feels like a slow but steady suffocation. It feels like living life at altitude where you never can get a deep enough breath. The life that you are made to live in in freedom and relationship to God is broken down because you're in bondage to something that can never give you life. That is what life under the law is. And the wonder of Christmas time, the wonder of the Christian gospel is that Jesus was born under that law. So that's the first part of this section from Galatians 4, 4, and 5. But the second part is essential because it tells us why Jesus was born under the law. Yes, it was to identify with us so that he lived the life that was ours, but the second part of this sentence says to redeem those who were born under the law. And so for the rest of the time this afternoon, I want to talk about what that redeeming us from being born under the law looks like. It says in verse 5 that Christ, uh, that God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. That word redeem, it's an economic word. It, it literally means to buy back. It means that Christ bought us back. Again, think about uh, this slavery metaphor. Think about being in bondage. Christ buys us out of that. The, the Greek root is uh, the word agora, which means marketplace. You may have heard the, the word agoraphobia. That means you're afraid of wide open places, right? That's the root word that Paul uses here because he's talking about a commercial exchange, a redemption of God giving one thing for another, of God giving his son to buy us back from slavery. Earlier this year, I read a book called The Devil's Half Acre. And the Devil's Half Acre is the name that was given to a spot maybe a mile from here down in Shaco Bottom. It was the site of Lumpkin's Slave Jail. One of the most notorious and the most active uh, slave, uh, slave trading posts in, uh, in the South, right before the Civil War. And there was a woman there, her name was Mary Lumpkin, and she was married to the owner of the jail, Richard Lumpkin. He was the slave master, the slave owner, and she was uh, an African-American woman who became his wife. And in this uh, story that tells the history of Lumpkin's slave jail, the author talks at times about some enslaved African-Americans who were bought out of slavery, either by abolitionists or they were able to save enough of their own money to purchase their own freedom. They were bought back. They were redeemed from that which enslaved them. That's the idea that Paul is driving at here. He's naming us as slaves, slaves to the law. And he's pointing to Christ as the one who buys us out of that slavery. It's made clear earlier in the book of Galatians, in chapter 3 again, uh, we read this for our assurance of pardon today. Here's what uh, Galatians 3 verse 13 says. Christ redeemed us. There's that word again, same word. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. You see, on the cross, 
Jesus Christ took the curse of the law so that we would be redeemed from that curse. Being born under the law, all the ways that I described life under the law, the way it exhausts us, the way it causes shame in our lives, the way that it stresses us out. Friends, that is the curse of the law that we all are under because of Adam's sin and because of our own sin. Christ on the cross has redeemed us from that work. And that was in the Father's mind in Bethlehem when He sent His Son as a child, as a baby laid in the manger. The cross was in His mind because He was sent forth not just to live under the law, but to redeem us from the law. And the only way that He could buy us back from all that held us in chains was the cross. That's how he freed us. You see, the shadow of Calvary comes over the manger. It's there all along. What this is saying in so many words is that Christ becomes our substitute. He takes the curse of the law on himself and in return, he gives us his perfect righteousness. All the ways that he was faithful to the law, all the ways that he fulfilled it, It's given to us as a gift, the great exchange of the cross. Our sin on Jesus in Jesus' righteousness placed on us. Christ had to be born of woman to represent us and to keep the law. But Christ also had to be fully God in order to act as our substitute. The sinless one dying the death that we deserved. You see, born of a woman, the theme there is God with us. And Harrison stressed that last week. Born under the law, to redeem those under the law, the theme there is God for us. And in Christ Jesus, what we see is both God with us and God for us. I want to go back to that backdoor entry I gave you into identifying the laws in your life, right? Where you go to prove you're worthy, to prove you're okay, to prove that you're enough. I want to return to all of those places. I want you to think about those places in your own life right now. Where do you turn? Where do you go to prove to God and other people that you're okay? And what? What if instead of going to those places, instead you went to the cross? That's why the cross is there. The cross is the symbol, the great symbol for all humanity that Christ has redeemed us from life under the law. The cross takes the curse. The cross takes our exhaustion. The cross takes our anxiety. The cross takes our shame. And it's meant in turn to set us free into the life that we were designed to live And that's what the rest of this passage goes on to say. We didn't read these verses. But verses 6 and 7 in Galatians 4 say, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Christ has bought you out of slavery. He has called you a daughter. He has called you son. And he's given you all the rights of an adopted child. 
So here's what that means. Here's what it means to be redeemed from life under the law, to be freed from the curse. It means that you have nothing to fear anymore. It means that you have nothing to prove anymore. How different would your life be if the rooms you walked into, you walked into and say, I don't have a thing to prove here. I don't have anything to fear here in this conversation, in this relationship because of the cross on which Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. You're free. You're a child. In Galatians, both in chapter 3 and chapter 4, it, it describes this as life in the Spirit. You're also given the gift of the Holy Spirit to live in you. And no longer are you governed under the oppressive weight of the law, but you are governed and guided instead by the Holy Spirit of God Himself. Here's the challenge, friends. I don't think many of us, maybe any of us, know what it feels like to be free. What it feels like to live full of the Spirit rather than under the law. I want to continue my habit of making movie references that are so dated most of you weren't born when these movies came out. But as I was thinking about this reality, one of my favorite movies from 1994, Shawshank Redemption, makes this point very well. It's a, it's a prison story, and one of the characters is released from prison, but he's nervous about his release. And it says this, these walls, these prison walls, are funny. First you hate them, then you get used to them. Enough time passes, it gets so you depend on them. Friends, that describes our lives under the law. These walls that imprison us, that held us captive, at first we may hate them, but then we get used to them, and then we come to depend on them. So much so that we are afraid of the free life that God offers us. That's why we make these tacit negotiations with one another to maintain the laws that imprison us. You don't talk about my laws, I won't talk about your laws, because deep down, we're afraid of life without them. But life in the gospel, life redeemed by Christ, the one who was sent forth by God, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Life in Christ is meant to be free in full and ruled only by the Spirit of God. Occasionally, only occasionally, I get a taste of what that freedom feels like. Times and moments in my life, conversations and relationships where I feel free and for a minute or two, I don't feel like that ninth grader in my sister's jeans. Occasionally, I'm in a conversation and I resist the urge to defend myself and justify myself and prove myself with all the laws that I live under. Occasionally, just occasionally, the cross is big enough in my mind and in my heart for me to believe that I am God's son 
Friends, you have been redeemed from the curse of the law through Jesus Christ and your faith in Him. Don't go back to life under the law. Agree with one another to live freely as His children. You know, in third grade, I think it was third grade, I had a friend over at our house. I think about this so often. It's crazy. Why, why do certain memories stick in your head? But I had a friend over at my house. We were playing, and my dad came up to me. It was a Saturday, and he had a, a scythe in his hand. You know that thing for, like, cutting down tall weeds? And he looked at me and said, hey, Eric, would you scythe these weeds? And I'm like, Dad, I got a friend right here. What are you doing? You're jamming up my flow, Dad. And I did it. And the reason I remember that story so well is because I felt like I had to do it in order to be my dad's son. Right? I was, I was fulfilling the law. I was being obedient to him so that I could be his child. Now, many years have gone by, decades have gone by, and I was thinking about it this week. There are times now when I do what I know my dad would want me to do. Shovel snow, stack wood, maybe even sigh the weeds. And I do it not to prove that I'm my father's son, but because I know I am. I know I belong to him. And I do it gladly and joyfully and freely. You see, that's the difference of the life that we're supposed to live before God. Yes, live faithfully. Live obediently. The law of God is good for us. But it's good for us not as a way to prove that we belong to God. But as evidence that we know we already do. Because of the work that Christ has done in redeeming us from the law. It's the same thing with baptism, this sign that we placed on these children today. Do we want these children to grow up faithful to God and faithful to their parents? Absolutely. But they're home before they've started. They're members of the family already. And any faithfulness that they display is in response to God's great faithfulness to them. Because in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law and to give us adoption as His children. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank You for this mystery of the Gospel, how it is such good news. It was 2,000 years ago and it is again today. Father, help us to lay aside all the laws that we place ourselves under, sometimes uh, afraid of what life of freedom would look like. Instead, help us to live more and more into the great blessings of gospel freedom, of adoption, of being members of your family, your beloved daughters and sons. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us in buying us out of our slavery and inviting us 
to live and feast forever with him in the Father's home. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.